I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good afternoon, Celtics fans. Happy Monday. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor, and as usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's popping, Will? Buenos tardes, amigo. How you doing, son? Oh, with that Spanish flavor straight off the hey. bat, boy. Gotta, gotta shout out. That's a, a classic from former Red Sox announcer, Jerry Remy, who passed away last year. He always started every game with either Buenos Noches or Buenos Tardes, amigo. So little little shout out to uh, to Jerry Remy on the Red Sox. Yeah, things. I like that flavor, man. Keep bringing that, bro. Keep bringing <laughs> that. I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. For anybody that's a regular listener, we didn't, really, we didn't release last week. I come down with COVID. I was rough. I'm not as rough now, hence why I sound okay and we're recording. We missed y'all, and if you're new, we've always been missing y'all. Welcome to the madhouse. There's been a lot going on, Will, man. I mean, last time we spoke, we were talking about the Brogdon trade, right? Yeah, we had a whole combo about it. (laughs) That feels like a year ago. It it honestly does, and that's kind of the weird part of the NBA offseason, right? Or, or really, yeah. it's, it's you can't even really call it the NBA offseason because the NBA, the way it's set up, especially, you know, for us with the way the Celtics went as deep as they did going to game six of the finals, the NBA draft is the next week. Free agency starts right after that. And now we're already into, you know, probably the first, what, week of summer league or so. And so it's it, it's really, you know, misleading to call it the offseason because nothing has stopped. It just continues basically from the finals up to where we are now. And it won't really be until about, you know, end of July that, that you really start to see it slow down a little bit. These NBA players got it figured out, you know. They get the break. They get the millions. We work 24-7, <laughs> I'm like, y'all, you guys are rich and you're on vacation. We're broke and we're still I know. here. I saw, uh, I saw everybody was out at Michael Rubin's, like, white party. Like, the everyone wears, like, the white clothes. Like, Tatum was out there. Donovan Mitchell was out there. All the fil- all the Sixers guys, you know. That's that's where I want to be, man. Let's let's go. How we, how we get the Michael Rubin hookup? Yeah, I just want to know, man. And then if you look at, like, people on social media were not happy, dude. Like, oh, you see Tatum's a Draymond? Nah, I could never do that to my boy. What you want about? Boy, you want to be, like, come on now. We've we really got to put this in, into perspective. Like, yeah, yeah, Draymond been running his mouth. Draymond been saying what Draymond been saying. That's part of the entertainment. It's the reason everybody likes Draymond or everybody hates Draymond. Like, you I don't think Tatum and Brown feel no way beyond it's just like, dude, this guy's still talking. You know when you're... Yeah, and they, I'm they, they, this guy. they feel that way on the court, but off the court, like, first of all, we, we've heard Tatum on Draymond Green's podcast. They clearly have a good relationship, and we've heard the way Draymond speaks about Jason Tatum, where he basically called him the next Kevin Durant. So I don't think that there is, like, a ton of bad blood. There's probably bad blood in the moment on the court in the finals, but once that all goes away, you know, Jason Tatum won a gold medal with Draymond Green. They're connected for life through a gold medal like that's gonna go way beyond what happens you know from you know just a couple months just a month ago and then you get like i understand that you know how like you know could Jalen brown feel the type of way but if we go by the rumors and this is kind of our way of rounding up these rumors 
If we're going by the rumours, which I think are completely unsubstantiated, I do not buy into the WEEI rumour that Jalen Brown is frustrated in this situation. But if he is, it's got nothing to do with Jason Tatum chilling with Draymond Green. It's got everything to do with Brian Scalabrini, or Scalabrine, WEEI, and everybody else that wants to say trade Jalen for Durant, trade. And then Chris Mannix said this the other day as well, actually. He was like, Yo, Jalen's name has been thrown in for Kawhi Leonard, for Anthony Davis, for now for Kevin Durant. He was booed when he got drafted. He's always been looked at as the secondary guy behind Tater. If there's, whenever there's been a can they play together, it's always been you've got to trade Jalen, not trade Jason. Mm-hmm. Manic's just like, yo, this dude has been treated a little bit unfairly, and if he feels some type of way about it, then he, he kind of has a right to feel some type of way about it. And yeah. I'm like... Man, I never thought about it like that. I hope he doesn't feel no type of way. I mean, this was this was one of the things that I talked about going into the playoffs. It's really hard to be the Robin, right? To be that to be that second guy because you're always gonna be. You just laid it out. You're always gonna be the guy when someone that's looked at as that next level up in the you know player pantheon, whether it's Durant or Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, whoever whoever it may be, you're gonna be the name that's mentioned especially as a young guy with the talents of of Jalen Brown and then on the court it's really tough as well because you kind of have to pick your spots right like you're not the alpha that it's typically running through it may run through you in moments but at the end of the day it's going to be thought of much like Golden State is Steph Curry's team Miami Heat or Jimmy Butler's team this is going to be thought of as Jason Tatum's team from that superstar perspective but when Tatum's having an off night or, you know, you, you Jalen Brown as that number two has to be ready to jump in and be like, okay, I could be the number one for tonight, even though I wasn't sure if this was going to be the night. But now that we're in the middle of the game, you got to kind of step up. Like that number two role is really tough and can weigh on you. And that's where I think sometimes, you know, you look around the NBA, you look at the history of, of different, you know, players that have looked to to move on because they're unhappy. They want to get their own shot. Like if I'm going to get all this criticism, I want to be the guy that gets my name on everything, win or lose. I want to be the guy that gets that shine. You know what I mean? Rather than be the guy that gets criticized and I'm number two and also I'm not in control of kind of the narrative and, and what happened. So, you know, if you read all those tea leaves, it, it makes sense, but I'm with you. I, I'm just not buying that coming off that run. I think it's, I think thus far, everything, you know, with those trade rumors has been squashed down though. So there's also the other side of that where, yeah, his name keeps getting brought up and that's frustrated, but you know what? Kawhi Leonard is not a Celtic. Anthony Davis isn't a Celtic. Kevin Durant, at least not yet, isn't a Celtic. And so therefore that means that the Celtics internally are continuing time and time again to choose Jalen Brown over those other options. And I think that needs to be like a really important aspect to this discussion, right? Like, yeah, the media, a section of the fan base, those are the people putting Jalen's name in these trade discussions. Those are the ones sitting down in the metaphorical deal at the table looking to make a deal. When it comes to actually making NBA-level trade discussions, Jalen Brown doesn't seem to be part or parcel of any package because at the end of the day, he's 25 years old. He's still improving his jump shot. Once he figures out how to not turn the ball over, he's going to be a legit threat for the next eight, seven, eight years. How many teams are going to want to... like Unless Jalen comes out like, I'm not re-signing in two years' time or whenever it is. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't. And it's not that I'm not re-signing because I'm going to strike a new. I'm going to sign a new contract. It's I'm not re-signing because I want to go elsewhere. Unless that gets said, 
Jalen's in Boston for as long yeah. as Jalen wants to be in Boston. I don't see that changing unless all of a sudden, he, you know, the, the monsters come and steal his talent. And then you, <laughs> I mean, we've seen it happen. It's been a few years. It was back in the 90s, but we saw it happen. If it happens again, by all means, you've got to trade the guy. Yeah. Got no I talent mean, left. I mean, here's the thing. Winning solves all, right? So, you know, the Celtics yeah. go to the NBA Finals this year, losing six games. They're revamping right now. We talked about the beginning. We did a whole podcast our last time we got together about Malcolm Brogdon. You know, that's about to be official. Danilo Gallinari just got made official the other day. So the Celtics are adding. And, you know, if you watch that summer league game, their initial summer league game over the weekend, you know, towards the end, Chris Haynes was talking a little bit about, you know, on the broadcast, are the Celtics done done with their roster moves and the answer is no they still have a couple roster spots at the end of the bench that could be filled by a vet minimum spot they still have that tpe which we've seen reports that may be reluctant to use at least the full extent of it but based on what chris haynes was reporting towards the end of that summer league game that if they can't find someone on a a vet minimum contract that they feel confident in that they will explore the trade market and maybe use a portion of that tpe to go towards another backup spot so i mean this team's not done and ultimately i think jalen brown's Happiness is going to coincide with the success of this team because a lot of those criticisms come right to a halt as soon as, you know, as soon as this team gets over that final hump, which they've continued to grow and grow. And now there's only only one level left in the video game, Adam, and they're on the precipice of it. When it comes to these free agent big men, the two that are most likely the names that are floating around, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, all right? And we'll get to the end of the video game in a moment. Yeah. No, I like this topic. This This is a good transition. If you had to choose between the two of them, who'd you want? Ooh, that's a good question. I was thinking about this earlier, and I have a, a list here because I was kind of going through who, if we are going to go vet, the vet minimum route, who who would I like to see? Now, I think between the two, Cousins and, and Dwight, at this point, DeMarcus still has more left in the tank, I think, talent-wise, versatility-wise. But, and this really pains me to say, because even though I think Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer, I think he probably should have been in the NBA top 75. Not a big Dwight fan. I don't think many people are. So I don't think that's like controversial to say. But I think Dwight might actually be the guy that that fits a little bit better into the role that's available right now, especially when you look at his acceptance of roles over the last two to three years or so. And really this last piece that we're looking for as really, let's just call it what it is, Robert Williams Insurance. This guy's probably paying playing 10 minutes or less per night, if at all, and really only if Robert Williams needs a rest or maybe even if Horford's out and we, we still need another big to, to rotate in the lineup, they're going to get some minutes. And, you know, I, I, think for, I think Dwight Howard might fit that a little bit better. And, it, of course, he's not the Dwight Howard. That's the Hall of Famer Dwight Howard anymore. But I think if you're using him for 10 minutes sparingly, as much as it pains me to say, and I don't really want to root for him on our team, I do think he's kind of a, a fit that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so his new name would be Slight Howard. You know <laughs> I like what I mean? That. Like, I like you know that. what I mean? we got some Slight Howard coming on. Uh, I know, I mean, I get it. Like, I'm just saying, you want a rim runner. Howard's going to just be exactly that. Rim protector, rebounder. And then a little bit of vertical spacing, although he definitely doesn't have the explosiveness that made him Dwight, which yeah. is why he is now slight. If you look over at Cousins, I think Cousins gives you a little bit more aggressiveness I think off the bench. I think he gives you a little bit more nasty, a bit of bite. Mm-hmm. I could see him being this team's Marcus Morris type character. 
Yeah, just kind of that that enforcer role a little yeah. bit. He, he's the guy where even if he's not playing, and say there's a you know a scuffle down by the bench, he's the guy that's chirping that he you know he'll he'll take on the fight that maybe we don't want Jason Tatum or or yeah. Jalen Brown or Al Horford to take on. Like you know, at the end of the day, if we lose those five to ten minutes of Boogie Cousins because he gets thrown out being an enforcer, we'll take that over one of our one of the other main core exactly. rotation guys. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. You know, you've got a little bit of floor space in there. I still think that at this point in his career versus this point in Howard's career, Cousins is probably a better rebounder. Mm-hmm. I think he's That's a fair. bit better. I think he's a better screener, a better role man. Overall, I just think, as you said, there's more in the tank now. I kind of lean to more towards bringing in Boogie just because I like the fact that he brings some nasty with him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think the other the other case to be made for for a Boogie Cousins is. You know, because he's a little bit more left in the tank, he might be able to give you that one-off night where he's able to harness in those boogie, those boogie powers of old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, and it's not going to be something he can do every night, but there could be, you know, a, a game or two throughout the season where, let's say, he puts up a, you know, an eighteen and ten line or something like that because he's filling in for for Robert Williams on a night where he gets twenty-eight minutes or something like that. Like, I think there's a better chance of that than there is that you get something like that from Dwight Howard. So there's a little extra pop, a little extra bite. And so, you know, as we're going through this, you might be selling me on on the Boogie Cousins role. I think just the the personality of Boogie Cousins meshing with the rest of the team is something that that not the Dwight Howard's personality doesn't come without its own faults. But, you know, the Boogie Cousins, you know, personality, especially after I listened to did you listen to I think you tweeted this. You probably did Brog, Malcolm Brogdon with uh, on the Woj pod. Yeah, I'm about forty-five to fifty-five percent through at the moment. Okay, well, we'll just even just from the beginning part, and that's really where he talked t- touched a lot on kind of that the move to the Celtics, and you know, hearing his approach to the way that he wants to come into this team, like I already envision, you know, him fitting in like a glove with everything that this team is trying to do, and that's where perhaps with both a little bit of Dwight and Boogie, there's a little bit of I, I don't know, are these guys going to be a little bit resistant? with their personalities to what's going on. Whereas Malcolm Brogdon is coming in and already saying like, he sounds excited in that podcast to be a six man, you know, which is for a guy who's a fringe all-star when he's healthy and handling the ball full time in Indiana, you know, that's, that's a really great thing to hear for him coming in his excitement to just be part of the, the winning ecosystem that, that, that Ime Adoka has set up for the team. I will say this, and I'm not saying this is true. And I genuinely believe that what Brogdon's saying is like he has every intention of following through on that but i will say this i can say i'm excited about living in england doesn't mean it's true yeah i mean but here's doesn't the thing mean it's true. and i'm not saying that for brogdon but i feel like that probably rings like that probably hits closer to home for a cousins right that says he's happy coming in being the fourth big in the rotation until well, you actually have to be for sure, for sure, the I see that. Yeah, exactly, yeah, so. and that and that's one of the things that I think probably like like for me would be a little worrisome. Although you know, just, and just because Dwight has done that the last couple of years, and, and Boogie yeah. started to do that, but I think that for him, there's probably a little bit of like I still got this, you know, that little blue streak in him of I still got this. You know what I'm saying, Adam? So I think he might still have a little bit of that. Uh, but back to Malcolm Brogdon for a second. Yo, my man, I, I love that his nickname is the president. He really sounds like Barack Obama. 
Like I was listening to this on my on my walk this morning with my dog. He's really got a lot of Barry O in his voice. I don't I don't know if you're as familiar with with uh, I know you're familiar with who Barack Obama is, but as if you're familiar with uh, with the way that he talks. But man, Malcolm Brogdon sounds a lot like it. So I can see why you know as we now have three NBA player player association vice presidents on the team, why he's in that role. I I have heard Barack Obama speak on many occasions. I I do not know. If I could be blindfolded, hear multiple people that sounded similar and pick Barack Obama's voice <laughs> out of that lineup. But again, I'm thousands of miles away. Cut me a break. For what real, I will I say is I, I do want to give you some props for bringing in that blue streak uh, analogy. Hey, man, you, you've brought it in a couple times, so now you you, <laughs> you got, got it in me. I got this. <laughs> Yo, it's my, fa- it's my favorite analogy out of all the movie analogies, dude. Uh, yeah, so I do think that, you know, I think Brogdon's speaking the truth. I think he genuinely is happy to sacrifice. I do have questions whether DeMarcus Cousins would say one thing and mean another. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's – but you just don't know, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he played a role the last couple of teams he's been on. You just don't know. When you look beyond that and you start looking at the other bigs available, so we look at Summer League – you know, Kevin, is it, how do you pronounce his name? Because I saw people getting upset about this. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, maybe we just call him Jelly, but I think it's Kevin Jelly, I believe. I was trying to figure yeah. this out earlier. I think it's Kevin Jelly, but maybe just our guy Jelly, who I think he, you know, if you, if you have to look at, at that game one of the, of the Celtics Summer League, he was probably the most impressive guy on the court from a Celtics perspective. Yeah, he was the most NBA ready guy. Yeah. In a Celtics jersey. I feel like that was quite fair to say. But I do, but, and I do think I liked his game. I even, I mean, I liked it enough that I wrote about it. Like mm-hmm. I only do that if I like the game that you've played. I thought that his defense was good. He was good as a, as a rim protector. He was good as a help defender. On offense, he set good screens. He rolled. His timing of a roll was good, and I think that's always an a little bit aspect. of a jumper. A little bit of a jumper hit a three. Yeah, and he took two threes. Went fifty percent from three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. You know, uh, we we call that knockdown in the biz, Adam. Fifty percent from three, knockdown. I heard that shooters get paid, especially when they're board men too. Board men yeah, get paid yeah. too, right? There's rumors going around that both of them collect paychecks. And if you put them together, well, now all of a sudden it's a supermax. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? The summer but, league supermax. That should be a the thing. Summer league supermax. <laughs> I will say this though: Travion Williams has me. Far more intrigued than Kevin Jelly does. I tell, think what tell, tell, tell me more about this because I know you wrote about his passing and his, he made a couple of passes that even though they didn't turn into assists in the summer league game, he definitely had a couple of moments. Yeah, so like, look, I, I genuinely believe what you're seeing from Kevin Jelly right now is pretty much what he is as a player. I don't think there's much more development for him. You know, he's coming on 25, he's been around the league a little while. There's still probably another three or four years development, but there's so many areas of the game that he's trying to impact. Like he's trying to impact as a rebounder. He wants to shoot this. He wants to do this. And I think that because of that, he should be further along in his development if he wants to be this all-around five. You know what I mean? Like in that modern, excellent center role. Whereas I think Travion Williams is a lot more defined in who he wants to be. He wants to be a big man that rebounds the ball, and gets people to rock. That's what he wants to do. He isn't really too bothered about being a scorer. You know, he showed he's got hops. He finished off a, an, an alley. 
could set screens, but where you he wants to be in that high block, that high to mid post region, team guys up, whether that be off dribble handoffs, grenades, whether it be cross court swing passes. He doesn't care. He just wants the assist numbers. You know, some people just live for buckets. This dude lives for assists. And when you're looking at like how Boston like their bigs to run, so it's very much get the rebound, get the, get the ball out of your hands if you're not named Al Horford. If you're Al Horford, bring it up. Set a screen, run a DHO, roll to the rim, sit in a dunker spot. The ball comes to you in the dunker spot. Well, this has been an issue because you'll have Al Horford will back guys down and score. Rob Williams will do exactly what Travion Williams would do, kick that rock back out at pace and try and catch the defense on their heels. He fits more with what Boston are trying to do. He fits more with this notion of a non-superstar big man. Because I think when you look at like, you know, Rudy Gobert is only Rudy Gobert because he's an elite rim protector. He's not a superstar big man, in my opinion. However, his trade package says otherwise, but <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's for a that's for a Timberwolves podcast to decide. <laughs> but like Nikola Jokic can rebound, he can pass, he can shoot, he can score from deep. He can uh, that's a superstar, and I mm-hmm. think that's the that's the mold of big man that Cavangelo has tried to kind of build himself into. And I just feel like he's too far behind to ever be impactful in that manner. Whereas Travion Williams just wants to be. A playmaking big. He said it in a in a, in a press conference yesterday. I'm a pass first big man. I yeah. love pass first big man. What was the one thing I was so happy about coming into last season? You had two of the best passing bigs on this Celtics team. Yeah, make it went, free, bro. Give me free. Yeah, we bro, went through a whole list of the of the best passing big men last last off season. Just you know, and where where are two guys ranked? There were two in the top twelve to fifteen. So I. Didn't I care. Like, Udoka yeah. didn't care in one flying bit because he just decided now we ain't going to use that. <laughs> but, you know, if he changes his mind and you've it's got Travion there too, like, you've yeah. got three big men that can help orchestrate an offense. I just think Travion fits better than what Calvin yeah. Jelly does. I, I mean, I think either way, there's a there's a good chance one of these two guys sticks around. Probably not both. But that that would be my my edu- that'd be my guess is that one of the two sticks around. And I think when you look at Cabin Jelly, I think you're right in that in the sense that he's trying to be multi, um, you know, versatile. He's going to be extra versatile with all of his different varied skill sets. And so while you're right, I think he's never going to be any of those guys that that you mentioned. It's kind of one of those you know shoot for the stars, fall in the clouds, land in the clouds type scenarios yeah, where. You know what I mean? So you just give yourself more opportunity. And then I think the part that's, that's probably most important is that he's the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo. So that means we might get Dikembe Mutombo at some more Celtics games. So if maybe that's the only silver lining, I may lean towards Cabin Jelly in this in this scenario. I mean, I, I, okay, so. And of course I I'm think- joking, but I'm, my point just being, I, I think Cabin Jelly may have... Uh, I don't even know if he has an edge yet. Because I think it's gonna. I think that's the biggest battle of this whole summer league is between the two of them. I think yeah. that's like kind of like the, the the biggest thing to to watch for, other than evaluating the second round pick JD Davison and, and taking a look at Sam Hauser. But I, you know, I, I think maybe with Camping Jelly, like 
I, I actually like the fact that he gives you a little bit more versatility and the fact that he threw down several alley-oops, which would lead into, you know, he could play those minutes and at least kind of simulate a lesser degree of what Robert Williams can do uh, from the vertical spacing aspect of your offense. And the argument I was going to make back for Travion Williams was age, but there's only three years difference between Travion and Kevin Jenner. Yeah. Like, that that's a lot in terms of basketball development. Like, that's a that's a lot. But Kevin Jenner does have, you know, 50-odd games of NBA under his like, experience, under his belt. As you said, he is a bit multifaceted. He can do multiple different things. But I just think that Travion Williams is such a unique type of big that mm-hmm. sometimes it's good, it's good to bite on things that are different because different can sometimes mean they impact games in ways that you didn't even know you needed games to be impacted you know i like travion i'd like travion on the two-way i think cabin jelly will land somewhere as an end of bench big i just don't think boston needs i think in terms of the celtics what they need is they need a veteran they need a big man with experience mm. i liked um brian rub from mass live put out uh something the other day like just basically along the lines of what could boston do with their tpe and the one player he kind of said would be ideal might cost a bit you know it's going to push the luxury tax up assets are going to be an issue but he, he threw out maxi kleber oh i would love that i i would have to kind of think that through. was my reaction to i yeah, maxi kleber is a guy who I, I think initially probably a couple of years ago i really just thought of him as like a a, a a you know a stretch five and over the last few years, man, he he can D up. He He's not a guy that you think of as protecting the rim, but he really can protect the rim on defense. I thought he was, you know, at different stretches, he was, you know, and this is one of the downsides of, of the Mavs roster right now. At certain points, he was their second best player, and his shooting fell off at a certain point. I think it was in the second half of the season, picked up again in the playoffs, but that really hurt them when his shooting fell off because he was so important to their team. I don't know what that cost looks like, but I love the idea of Maxi Kleber. I would just have to kind of think of through what the Mavericks would, what would appeal to them to make that move. And I haven't really thought through that enough, but just from a Celtic standpoint, I think that's a fantastic name and at least a fantastic, you know, prototype to kind of look at. Like there's a couple different ways that you can look at this back, this third big spot. Kleber's kind of that stretch with the ability to to keep your defense at a certain level. Uh, you look at some of the other guys that we're talking about, they can kind of simulate that Robert Williams role of being in the dunker spot, protecting the rims. You're, you're, you're going to get a little bit of something that you already have that you want to be able to maintain a, a certain level of competency when you have to play this third big. Uh, Maxi Kleber would be an absolute steal if they could find a way to do it. Well, I've read Maxi Kleber. The first thing I thought was, please let me wake up tomorrow to a report that Boston have acquired Maxi Kleber. Yeah. Because he's that good. Like, in terms of a fit. Jakob Pertl's another guy I wouldn't mind trying to trade for if you're going to use the TPE. If you want to go a bit further down the skill set ladder, then Derek Favors has been a big man. I've been a fan Mm -hmm. of for a while. Uh, I think he'd be quite available from Oklahoma. And then there's another guy in Oklahoma, Jermichael Green, could be an undersized yep. big man, did well for Denver, had times, flashed good um, good upside with the, the Clippers at times. Or, and I repeat, this is a possibility, they could play me 
<laughs> well, I think we I, I think we missed our chance, Adam. I mean, they traded all. I mean, we talked about this in the postseason. Me, you, and Greg might as well have been on the end of the bench during the postseason run. They traded us essentially our doppelgangers to Indiana for Malcolm Brogdon. That was our chance, man. I, th- I think they're I think they're revamping the end of that bench now. I, don't, I think our opportunity may have slipped away. Man, I feel I feel like I've been a. Uh... I feel like Jalen Brown right now, man. I'm frustrated. I'm not happy with my future <laughs> on the team. Uh, jokes aside, the only other thing I really want to touch on is wings. And the reason I want to touch on wings is because Sam Hauser's shot did not have any wings. It was did not. bricks. I'm okay with that. So my outlook there is, you know, you're in a summer league tournament where you are one of the only players on your roster or probably on the floor with a guarantee of being on an NBA roster next year. You know, you never know if it's going to be the same team you start the season with that you finish the season with, but your contract is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You're going to be here next season. You're going to be in the league. And what what was so, that deal again, Adam? Was it three years, six million? Yeah, and then I think the third year was a team option. Okay, cool. Just wanted, so, just and I'm sure there's probably some unguaranteed money in there along the line as well. I haven't looked at it properly, but it was definitely third year was a team option. But when you're on a floor full of people that are fighting to get what you've already got, guess what? They're going to make your life hell because they want to prove they're as good, if not better than you. It's also the jitters of being that dude coming in and being the guy that's meant to be the offensive outlet for a team. Because like it or not, Hauser was being featured as their like their three-point shooter to begin the game. It mm-hmm. wasn't until they realized he didn't have it. And Matt Ryan was like, don't worry, blue streak, I got this. And he came out and started hitting movement shots that everything started to uh, move towards like Matt Ryan and J.D. Davison a little bit more. So I think that we're going to see a way better show enough Hauser, if not in game two, than in game three. I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah. But sticking on the free agency and the trades and all this like lovely, listenable, listenableness, Brian Robin, that same article, also postulated as one of my words of the month. He postulated Tari Craig as a potential pickup. How do you feel about Tari Craig? I haven't so I haven't had a chance to see this article yet, but Tori Craig's an interesting one. He's he's a guy that, you know, has floated between Milwaukee and Phoenix, Indiana back to Phoenix. So, you know, he he's someone that does provide stability right? Like he's not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to come in. And and we've talked before about maybe having another ball handling wing. He won't be that ball handling wing, but he'll be someone that, as we've talked about before, can, you know, in a, in a pinch, he can kind of keep you at a certain level, right? He's a, he's a level stabilizer off the bench, someone that's not going to hurt you, but can certainly come in and give you some quality minutes. So, you know, when you look at the end of the bench, these are, these are the type of guys that you're probably looking for that, that are going to be okay with that role, but still be able to provide you quality minutes when needed. And I think Tory Craig would be a guy that, that fits it, but just quickly, I want to I want to go back to Sam Hauser for one second because I think he's a guy that the Celtics are looking at that maybe not to start the season, but by the end of the season could be a guy that is seeing some some real minutes. And, and like you said, I'm not worried about the the shot in summer league. You know, he's just coming off getting that that guaranteed deal. But what I did like to see was the, was the situations in which he was used and put in as far as you know getting him running off of screens in a movement style in, in movement sets to be able to go ahead and simulate what his shots are going to be that we're looking to get from him that he can very much be a a Duncan Robinson esque type of weapon 
for this team, but on a budget. Duncan Robinson on a severe, severe budget. You know, and I think the ways that he was utilized are are going to give him good reps. Because the one thing with summer league is sometimes guys, especially if they're in year two or year three and they're got a guaranteed deal like you talked about, they'll sometimes come out here and, and try to try to show out a little bit, show off the handle, show off, you know, what they were able to do in, in college off the bounce. But that's just not going to be what Sam Hauser does for this team. So despite the shots not falling, I really like the way that he was utilized in that game. And I think getting those reps now are only going to pay dividends by the time we get to the season. And I'm really hoping that he's going to be a guy that the Celtics can use in the rotation as that, you know, knockdown. Uh, you know, spacing threat that is constantly attracting gravity from the defense, even when he doesn't have the ball. Now, the question you've got to ask yourself is, do you feel he could ever be the movement shooter without the ball? You're saying you want him to be afraid even when he doesn't have the ball. Could he be a movement shooter to the level? And this is different. Again, we're doing NBA to summer league. Mm-hmm. But could he be the movement shooter that Matt Ryan was in game one, but translated to the NBA? Could he be that guy? Could he be play the role that Duncan Robinson has played for Miami before Duncan Robinson was the latest yeah. victim of the Monstars? Could he... <laughs> a, lot, a lot of victims of the Monstars these days. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, dude. I mean, I mean, the last pandemic of the Monstars is the 90s, but they out here, dude. They out here. That's going to be the next COVID strain, the Monstar strain. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Oh, man. But no, that's my question to you. Like, what, like where are you expecting this impact to come from? You want him as an off ball threat. I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody wants. You want him to be able to create his own shot as far as. Attack a closeout, take a dribble in, hit those middies. I think Danilo Gallinari is going to be excellent for helping him develop in that mm-hmm. area because that's something Gallo's thrived at for years. But when it comes to being that off-ball scorer, what what type of off-ball scorer do you want him to be? Is he someone like Corver that's just incredible at finding a pocket of space coming off of a screen, sidestepping into it to catch, getting the perfect release straight away? Or do you want him more of that Duncan Robinson curling over a screen, getting the ball still in movement, flipping his hips onto the straight, like, you know, flipping his hips towards yeah. the rim and then shooting? Like, there's, when we're talking about off-ball scoring, I genuinely believe that Hauser is more of a, just because of the way his shot mechanics are, I believe he's more of a Corver-type shooter than he is a Duncan Robinson-type shooter. And, yeah. and that, like, and I think there's, there's expectations that come with being labels as an off-ball threat when really there's multiple ways you can be that yeah. off-ball threat. I mean, both um, of those guys, you know, obviously were were highly or were and are highly, highly effective when they're when they're at their best. And I think for, for Sam Hauser, I don't know if I necessarily have a preference, because I think both can be effective. I guess when I think of that Duncan Robinson style of that, you know, that movement around multiple screens, curling, keeping the ball in motion. The one thing that I look at when when he was operating at his highest is how much it opened up opportunities for someone like Bam Adebayo, whether he has the ball and he's orchestrating a dribble handoff or if he's somebody that as the defense is chasing Duncan Robinson around because he's grabbing their attention, it's opening up the lane for guys like him and Jimmy Butler. So I do see that being something that would be a benefit if Sam Hauser could be that Duncan Robinson role. But, you know, if he's more of, you know, as you talk about Kyle Corver, just a guy who can find the pockets, find the different spaces, keep moving, making 
making sure that you know you you have the spacing that this team needs like the Celtics especially when you add in Brogdon to the Jays you're going to have multiple guys that if you just if you're just someone that draws the attention away from them and gives them even just an extra sliver of space to be able to drive in that lane that's that's doing enough right there, especially if you're just knocking down those shots in those little pockets of space. So I, I don't know that I have a preference. Like I said, I guess I would lean Duncan Robinson because then you add in the Robert Williams element to this of what that would do to open up the lane for him to be able to get some more easy looks as we look him to expand his offensive package in the offseason. Um, I guess I would lean that way, but I think both can be highly effective for this team. I, I like the Duncan Robinson mold better. I just think that... Uh... I'm really curious to see how Hauser's release works mm-hmm. with being such a put in a position where you have to get the ball out of your hands quickly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's usually a quick release that fits better there. And I and I love Sam Hauser's shot. I mean, I think the one thing oh, that, that that you can lean on with him is, you know, even in you know, garbage time, it, you know, I don't have his numbers in front of me because it's garbage time. It doesn't necessarily matter quite as much, but just it, it feels like it goes in more often than it, than it doesn't, you know, in that moment. So you feel like, all right, we have something to work with where I don't, I don't mean to, you know, throw a drive by it, but our guy, Aaron Neesmith, it just, regardless of timing, it almost never went in. And so it, it just made it a little harder to be like, I really want to lean on this moment. Whereas I feel like even when Hauser gets his moments in the last two minutes of games that are blowouts one way or the other, he's knocking down a couple shots, you know, like you're seeing it go through the basket. And now it's just, can we make this happen in, in moments that matter? And I think that's going to be what the Celtics are going to look for from him this year is, can you be that guy that gives us those 10 to 15 minutes? You get three to four shots. Can you knock down two or three of them in a game? And, you know, and and that's going to be a very big weapon for them, you know, come playoff time. If he's a guy that can prove he can handle that responsibility and hold up on the defensive end for small stretches. I think he could definitely hold up on the defensive end. if you put him in the right position? Yeah, I mean, so it's the You'll same thing. you definitely get targeted at times, though. For sure. It's the same argument that when people were saying, you know, that that weren't people who weren't in favor of the Gallo signing is, oh, my God, he's going to be, you know, destroyed on defense. Yeah, he's he's older. He's slow-footed. He's 6'10", and you have a defensive system where you have Al Horford and Rob Williams on the back end. You have the Jays on the wings. You have Grant on wings. You have Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and, and Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, you know, pressuring the ball up front. You can, you can survive with those guys if you have those other players around them. What you can't survive is if you had a lineup of five Housers and Gallows. That's not going to work, obviously. But when you have one of them, and they're helping you on the offensive end. You're putting pressure on this on the other team as well. And so it forces them to make some personnel decisions. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think Hauser can absolutely survive on the defensive end. You know, him, Pritchard, Gallo, probably the, the three, I guess, weak links you could potentially look at on the defensive side. They bring enough on the offensive end that you can get by with them without it being much of an issue, in my opinion. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, guys that play both ends at a high level, they're hard they to ain't get. cheap. They don't, yeah. Yeah, they don't come free. Hey, like, Malcolm Brogdon's you know, twenty plus know. mil. Just I mean, we don't need. He's twenty plus mil. They don't come cheap, so they don't come cheap, man. So you know, eventually you've got to start taking a few uh, one-sided assets, shall yep. we call them? Exactly. I'm gonna wrap us up there, so simply because I don't know what else we're gonna talk about about going round and round. However, I would like to say this: it's been a week, man. I missed you. I am glad we did this. I miss Greg too. Greg yeah. away with family we, right now. We need a three man weave. We'll we'll get that back here when we can. But it's it's been good catching up with you, man. It's uh it's been too long. It feels good getting a rhythm back here. This is, this is our own version of, of summer league right now. 
Yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. I'm sitting here. It's hot like Vegas, man. I've been in both Vegas and Heatwave England, and there's quite a few similarities, except one's really fun and one's horrible. Obviously, England's <laughs> the horrible one. Right, everybody, if you've enjoyed the show, do the usual. Go share it on social media. Leave some nice messages in the comments section. Go send Will a lovely email telling him how awesome he is. I mean, this dude opened the show with some Spanish flavor. Let's give him some love, man. Let's give him some love. Until next time, I'm your boy Adam Taylor. This is my boy Will Weir. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Summer League, game two today. Let's get that W, baby. Peace. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down, one play at a time Keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the major, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never 